Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. Dr. Heidi Brocky is back with us today, and we are talking about hoovering. And I love Dr. Heidi's take on this. She has some really excellent points about what hoovering is and how to avoid <laughs> being hoovered back into your toxic relationship. And Dr. Heidi is the perfect person to talk about this because she is a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. Uh, she has turned her past into her passion, and she provides hope, healing, and freedom to those whose lives have been affected by toxic relationships, emotional abuse, and narcissistic behaviors. After 24 years in healthcare, she has now moved on to use her life experience and her education to be the person she needed, and we all do, when she was trapped in the darkness of an unhealthy relationship. Um, unfortunately, Dr. Heidi and I uh, got... I think we got divorced at a similar time, so she's the person I needed too. <laughs> but lucky for you guys, you have us now. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Heidi Brocky. Dr. Heidi Brocky, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Um Sometimes we get into conversations and we don't stop. So yes. <laughs> this should be a I just I just adore collaborating with you and talking to you. So so we decided that today we really wanted to talk about hoovering. So for those who don't know what hoovering is, can you tell them? Yeah, it's it's a term. I don't even know where it came from. Terms Oh, it's because Hoover, yes, vacuum yes. cleaners. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and they, they say that it's, it's, you know, when you're trying to leave a relationship, it's when it's the tactics they use to suck you back in, but continue to treat you like dirt is basically, right. and it was named after the, the Hoover vacuum, but um, some people don't know what it is. And um, I did a, a podcast episode on, on my own podcast, oh, probably towards the end of January, where I really, really dug into the hoovering because when you try to leave a relationship like this, it's confusing. It's scary. It's, you know, everything is unknown. You don't know this, you don't know that. And you start second guessing yourself and you start questioning this and you start feeling guilty. And um, so I, I really broke the hoovering and the love bombing down. Um, and it, it actually has helped a lot of people. In fact, I think that's probably one of the episodes that I, I like send people to go listen to this, go listen to this. Um, and so if people have heard me on here before, yes, I do, I'm a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. I am not a mental health professional. I always make sure I tell people that I'm a chiropractor, acupuncturist by trade, but I actually do this full time. Well, actually, we both kind of do this full time. 
don't we? Yeah, we do. Yep. Yeah. We both do I was, fully. I was yep, just, not kind of. Absolutely. <laughs> I know. I was just, I was just, I was actually talking about, I was talking about you yesterday. Um, because my middle daughter was here and both my daughters have, you know, done the Grey's Anatomy thing. And and so oh. she was Googling and whatever. And I go, actually, her and I don't have to plan anything because we do the same thing and we can almost finish each other's sentences and <laughs> we've only talked like three times. <laughs> it's so um, true. It's so but true. I did I did say too, you know, you you hadn't intended on going necessarily into the toxic thing, but those Here are the we people, are. Those are the yes, those are the people that are looking. Um well I think it's just so much more common than I ever thought. You know, I mean, even I was in it, but I didn't realize how prevalent it was until I got into it and was like, oh God, I guess, I guess, I guess this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. And I think, I think too, we didn't realize it because two generations ago, you didn't, you know, you didn't hear about it. You know, nobody talked about anything. And then, you know, we, with the social media and everything, everything's just there it is. Right. I mean, you know, I know when I got divorced and probably similar to you, when you got divorced, like, I think we were similar times that, you know, we didn't have, there was no Instagram then. And people were not, if we Googled what we were experiencing, there was, there was nothing out there. Right. And, and I have said this before. I wasn't, I never one time sat down and Googled unhealthy relationship or toxic relationship or emotional abuse. I sat down and Googled how to be a better wife. Or yeah. how to keep my partner yes. happy or how to build my oh. self-confidence, oh. you know, so, because hundred percent. And I think too, you know, we're all too smart to end up in relationships like this. That's, that's how we think when we're in it. And when it's become normal, you know, you're just so busy surviving. It's just getting from one day to the next that I don't know about the time you think, oh, I should look, I should start doing some research. Then, then the next day is good. Right. You know, so then you're like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess fine. Fine okay. Yeah. I guess it's over now. And, you know, to your point about like Googling, I did Google like later on because I was like, I was saying this is emotional abuse. And he was like, I looked it up and it's not. And then I looked it up and the examples are so overt, right? That mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, I guess it's not because he never told me he was that I was a piece of shit. He never told me that I would be nothing without him. Right. He never told me, right? And so like, oh, well I I guess I well I guess then I then it wasn't even cuz it was, you know, so much more covert than that and so much more subtle See, and, and so much more insidious. And mine was not covert. Mine was all out there and and I still was like, ah, he just had a bad day. You know, right? Because you just, I don't, I don't know. When you don't, you don't know, wanna... when you don't understand it, it's just you, you're just grab, you're just reaching for straws. You know, you do, right? Exactly, exactly. And so, thank God, we have now we have you know people have people like us to um, help them uh, navigate this. So yeah, and I, th- yeah. I think too, you know, there's different stages in this whole discovery of of the relationship you're in, but there is a definite need for the validation stage. And that's when people are Googling the diagnosis. And, um, but like you said, we want to, we want them to check all the boxes so that we have a validation that it is something and it's not us. And then they don't, the, even, even the diagnosed ones don't necessarily check all the boxes. Right. Um, And mine, I have to be careful because when I talk about mine, if I met you and, and I was telling you about mine, you'd go, Oh, well then mine's fine. I should just thank my lucky stars and stay here. You know, 
<laughs> so, right, right. So you have to remember that they don't, they're all driven by the same thing, but they don't all use the same level of extremeness, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, it, absolutely true. Absolutely true. And the bottom line is if you, if you feel like shit all the time in your relationship, there's something wrong. The sad part of that is too, if you feel like shit long enough, you don't notice that you're feeling you like shit that anymore you feel like because shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know you've just you've normalized to it, and and then you're not you're not you when you you don't have friends and you don't have hobbies and you don't yeah and then yeah right that's that right whole, if that you feel like story. a shell of yourself, I think that's like I think that's mm-hmm. sort of like one of the things that people so many people can relate to is that mm-hmm. when you start to when you feel like a shell of your former self or who you thought you would be or who you thought you would become mm-hmm. and nothing you do is right. There's something yeah. wrong. Let's talk about this hoovering situation. So hoovering, as you said, it's when they try to suck you back in, but still treat you like dirt. Right. Or they're love bombing you. They're actually not treating you like dirt at the time when they're hoovering you. Right. It's this, well, it's this sucking. Yeah, well, and love bombing is another term, but it's mm-hmm. it's usually at the beginning of the relationship is when we see it and they love everything yeah. about you and love, love, love. And and I I always try to break the love bombing part down too, because yeah. love bombing is actually the first step in the hoovering. Right. So so during the love bombing stage, they're they're testing our personalities. Are we the kind, caring, supporting? Are we the conflict avoiders? Are we the peacekeepers? Are we the ones that are going to change? you know, and adapt to make the relationship better. And, and the other thing they're doing during the love bombing stage, when they love everything about you and they give you all the attention and they accept you for who you are, they're, they're also trying to get you to invest into the relationship by, um, and people will say it's, it felt like it, it went really fast. You know, the L word came out quickly. Well, then we feel guilty if we don't say it back. Well, then you've invested you know, mm-hmm. or you move in together or, you know, you buy a dog together or you you have, buy a house together or you get married or you get engaged. Or, but they push yeah. that in the beginning to get you to invest into the relationship. And they yeah. also try to make you believe that they're trustworthy. So those are the three things that we see during the love bombing stage. We would never know it was happening. Um, I knew it was moving too fast, but I didn't, I, I didn't ever been in love before. And I mean, he was telling me he was my soulmate, so I never had a soulmate before either. So, okay. So you kind of go with it. And then all of a sudden. And it's exciting. It's intoxicating. Yes. And that's the point. Yes, exactly. And and I always have to say the the relationships, good or bad, a lot of them start out exactly the same. It's all new and it's all, you know, Twitter-pated and adventurous and all of that. So, So if you think back to the beginning of the relationship, there's a lot of attention. There's a lot of admiration. There's a lot of acceptance. Okay. Then at some point there, there's an investment. And usually when there's an investment by you, you feel a shift. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. the shift usually comes because the, the toxic personality is driven by security in themselves. Now you, you and I both can operate um, by finding our security in ourselves on our own. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about investing in yourself. We take care of ourselves. We have hobbies. We eat right. We you know, pour our energy into our business and we're rewarded and we feel, you know, secure. Mm-hmm. Well, the toxic personality, they can't really put enough into their own life to make them feel secure. So they have to, they have to pick the people that then supply them. And so during right. that love bombing stage, they're, they're seeing if you are going to make it right. 
Well, then when the shift happens, you might get called names or you might, they might not come home or they might start criticizing or, you know, competing with you over things or, or asking you to change your hair or, you know, if you're out to eat, why are you eating chicken? You'll start noticing there's a shift and it's because you've invested. And now they, they have you a little bit more trapped because it's hard for you to get out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now for the whole rest of the relationship, all we want to see is the person from the beginning. Right. Right. That's all. That's all we want. Yep. yep. They were nice. They were loving. Our relationship goals were the same. And then as soon as that shift happens, everything is very segmented and disconnected. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times I, myself included, left six times. Um, I finally was able to be out on the seventh. And it's because I fell victim to hoovering mm-hmm. every single time. Every and, single time. Yep. And that's why I really try to make people aware. You say you want to end the relationship or you say it's not working for you or you, you know, you insinuate maybe you want a divorce and that will make them feel very insecure very quickly because they lose control over you. Yeah. They, you know, they don't have, they're going to lose your attention, all the things that you're supplying them. And so the first, the first thing you're going to see is ta-da, the person from the beginning is going to show up. So, so as soon as they start feeling insecure with the loss of a relationship, that's when the hoovering starts. And the love bombing stage is almost always the first step. Almost always you see that person that is now accepting and is now loving and is bringing you gifts. And, and, and you think, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't really like it that it took me to have to say, I want to leave to Mm -hmm. get this. But right now I'm really glad. Mm -hmm. And most people, if it's the first time they've left an emotionally abusive relationship, they're they're going to fall for that. They're going to fall for the first stage of of hoovering. Yeah. Because because we we've been waiting for them to come back. Because we think, "Oh, here he is. He's back." Yes. Yeah. He gets Ta-da! it. He Thank gets this. Yep. And that will only last until they feel secure again. And then that person will again go away because that's that's a mask. They're making you believe they're trustworthy and they're making you believe they're in it for the same the same goals. Now, if it's the third or fourth time that you've left, you're you're gonna know, okay. The person from the beginning shows back up, but then as soon as I'm I'm as soon as I'm all in, they disappear again. So by the third or fourth time, you might you might reject the love bombing stage. You might make it through the love bombing stage. Okay, well, if that doesn't work for them to to get you reinvested, you'll start seeing all sorts of different personalities. Knowing that their goal is to feel secure in themselves and they they use you. If you're in the life of a toxic person or an emotionally abusive person, you're supplying them with the feelings of control and power and attention and, and those kind of things because that's what makes yeah. them feel secure. Right. So their main goal is to regain that feeling. So we just we made it through the love bombing stage because we've seen it three times. Now, now what you're gonna see is you're you're gonna see they're gonna play the victim. Uh-huh. And and they're going to cry and they're going to mope around and they're going to sit in a chair and they're not going to go to work and you're ruining their life. And and because we're emotional, we feel bad for them. Yes. So, because we are empathic. Yes. We and, like, that's our job. <laughs> as empaths, and, right. And the emotionally abusive personality also has learned through the years of your relationship, what to say and what to do to get you to feel a certain way. Yes. So, so we feel guilty. Yes. Um, two of the times that I went back, all my former had to say was, I can't believe you're breaking up our family. Uh-huh. And I went, oh, uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. And I didn't think past the fact that this isn't a family. This is a disaster. This is, I just felt right. so guilty. And the fastest way to get rid of the feeling of guilt is to do what they want. Right. Yep. Yep. So, yep. so they play on the emotions. They'll, they'll, the victim will show up. These are, these are in no particular order, by the way. So right. you, you get through the, <laughs> you get through the victim part of hoovering and you might notice that they're staying out at night mm-hmm. or they're on their phone more, or you're seeing, you know, social media posts. And what they're doing there is they're trying to make you feel jealous and they're trying to make you feel rejected. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they, if they can't smother you with love bombing and coerce you with victimhood, they're, they're going to try and make you feel rejected because what do we do when we feel rejected? Yeah. We scramble, we, right? Yeah. We yeah. hang on really tight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh-huh. so they'll, they'll try to, you know, act like they have friends, be out and about, go get new clothes, do, you know, go to the gym, that kind of thing to make you feel like, like you're not important. And that makes us hang on. So we have the love bombing. We have the victim. We have the trying to make you jealous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. That doesn't work. Uh, You might get threatened. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you're really going to go through with leaving the relationship, well, you're not going to have enough money because I did all the work. I'll take the kids. Yes. I'll take Mm -hmm. the kids. Um, You're never going to be able to to be in this house, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Well, fear is the tactic that the toxic person uses to feel power and control. And right. where's your attention when we're scared of something? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I had mentioned that on yours, but when you watch Jaws, that fish doesn't have to be in the picture. And the only thing you think about is where in the hell is that? Where shark? is it? Where's the shark, right? Right. Because yes. our attention goes to what we fear. So you you might get some threats. And if there's kids involved, that's that's one of the big ones. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing that, that they'll do is, oh, all of a sudden they want to go to counseling. Oh, yes. Yes. That's yes. my favorite. Now, now, I have a whole episode on that. Yep. Oh, now he wants to go to therapy. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. Oh, and, and on top of that, I know I haven't taken you on vacations and we'll, we'll do vacations and they dangle all the stuff that you wanted them to do in front of you. Everything you've been asking for, for the last yep. 10 years, suddenly yep. they want to do all of it. Yep. And mm-hmm. the, one of the other things is every apology that you've wanted that you've never gotten, you're going to get all the apologies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it's mm-hmm. funny when you get those because they denied that they needed to apologize for any of it. And because they're feeling insecure, oh, out come all the apologies. And what do we think? <gasps> oh, he finally gets it. They finally got, they finally got it. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. The the other thing. Now, I I use this word. Um, I I sometimes make up my own words. I don't. Um, so I, love I call I call it confessions. Mm-hmm. But you'll see a last ditch effort. Like um, it's almost something way bigger than normal. Something like I know I haven't been treating you right, but I didn't want to tell you, but my job is in jeopardy, and you know the. And and so when you're concentrating on trying to get out of the relationship and they tell you, oh, there's no money, we go, okay, now we got to deal with this, right? Right. Um, mine, it's like a, it's a diversionary tactic. It's like, yes. look over there. Look yep. over there. Uh-huh. Yep. I, I had this same thing. I know I haven't been treating you right. I haven't been feeling well. I went to the doctor and I, I didn't know how to tell you, but I have cancer. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh my gosh, we had a business. We had two little kids. We had, I, we had a ranch. We, I was like, I'm went back and I yeah. never, ever heard another word about cancer mm. mm-hmm. until, mm-hmm. until, his, interesting. until one of his 
girlfriends called me after I was long gone. And she says, does he have a history of cancer? And I said, <laughs> yeah, but don't worry about it. It'll be gone in two weeks. <laughs> he has a history of having cancer that miraculously disappears. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but I call them confessions because they're things that are so big that if you've been around them, we pay, we pay such close attention to what they say and do that if there was a financial problem, you would have already picked up on it. If there was a health problem, you would have already picked up on it because we know the toxic personality wants attention. So they're never going to keep a health problem secret. Right. Um, you know, they, they they will do last. You might, you might hear that, you know, they had childhood sexual abuse. That's a big one that comes out. Mm -hmm. Yep. And if, and, and here's the thing. I, I knew that that wasn't true. Mm. I, you know, they'll, their, their goal isn't to tell you the truth and to tell you something that is legitimate. Their goal is to distract you from wanting to leave the relationship and they don't really care how they have to explain their way out of it later. Right. And I will say, I do know a few certainly where, where these confessions are actually true, but that doesn't excuse there are plenty of people mm-hmm. who've been ha, who have experienced childhood sexual abuse who are not abusing their wives there are plenty of people who have experienced whatever trauma that don't that still mm-hmm. don't do the things that they're doing so yeah. that doesn't it's like i'm so sorry that i'm such that i'm a toxic abuser but it, my childhood made me do it yes no it didn't and, and too you have to think if all of a sudden they're admitting to stuff like that your toxic personality would would never advertise that because you know they're very grandiose. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't mm-hmm. want anybody to know that, right? So you, as a spouse, might know it if it was true because that may have come out through the years. But mine would just pluck stuff out of thin air, and it wasn't. It was completely made up. And you know, I don't know if you know if people had listened to my previous podcast, but when I left, I ended up leaving my kids. They were there for a few years. And then they also ended up having to run away. Well, he tried the same thing and they snuck to a phone and called me and were asking if dad had been in the military and if he'd been in the war. And I'm like, no. And, you know, and he was just telling them all this, all this stuff. But by that time I, you know, I was like, well, no, that's not true. But, but they were still so emotionally tied to him that they, they really wanted to believe it because he was trying to make them feel sorry for him. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Whenever I hear about a protective mom struggling to co-parent with an ex whose alcohol misuse endangers the child, I always recommend Soberlink. If you've been listening for a while, you know how much I love Soberlink. For those of you who are new, welcome and listen up. Soberlink is an alcohol monitoring system that is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide concrete proof that they're not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink uses facial recognition, and it's the only alcohol monitoring system that analyzes and approves or declines identity in real time, meaning that you'll be immediately notified if your co-parent attempts to have someone else use the device. Soberlink also has some of the most high-tech tamper-resistant features on the market, which prevents tampering with the device itself or trying to use alternate air sources like a balloon or an air pump. So basically, any way someone can think of to cheat the system, Soberlink can catch. If someone tests positive for alcohol, Soberlink requires additional tests to confirm the non-compliant results. If a positive 
retest happens, the system's retest cycle begins, allowing the co-parent to retest every 15 minutes, up to six times. Upon request from their in-house compliance department, a drinking evaluation is delivered to you to confirm the non-compliant result. Soberlink has two programs. There's a parenting time-only program, and then there's a daily testing program. Both programs operate using scheduled testing. So for example, a testing schedule might be that you ask the co-parent to test before their parenting time and then during parenting time. And this helps you feel confident that your co-parent is parenting sober. And if there is a positive test result, you can write into your agreement that parenting time will be reevaluated. Soberlink's reports are admissible in court. And in fact, Soberlink is recommended by courts in all 50 states and in Canada. If you have any concerns about your child's safety while with the other parent, there is no better way than Soberlink to put your mind at ease. For an exclusive $50 off of your device and to download the resource I created with Soberlink, Checklist for a High Conflict Divorce, visit www.soberlink.com DSG. And now back to our show. The thing with the divorce, which obviously we're, we work with a lot, once they realize the divorce is happening and, and none of this hoovering tactics works, their mindset has to change a little bit because if you're adamant that you're leaving, now they, they don't have that control over you. So they have two things they can control you with. One is the divorce process and one is the kids. Right. So as soon as they realize it's happening, everything is theirs. You didn't contribute, you didn't contribute anything and every, every single thing is theirs and they are going to fight over everything because mm-hmm. who wins the fights? Right. But they do. And then yeah, they always win the fight. Uh-huh. Yep. Right. And ultimately at the end, they're going to destroy you because, because you are the one that just made them feel insecure and you are not falling back into line with all of the hoovering stuff. I don't know why we feel like, oh, this was a horrible marriage. We fought all the time. It was very controlling. For some reason, a lot of us think, oh, yes, but we can talk through a divorce. Oh, my God. We, we can. I mean, we, I, yes, I, I hear it all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, he says that he wants to do a kitchen table divorce, and I really want it to be amicable. So, you know, so we're just going to sit down and try and hammer all this stuff out. And, I, and no, and we go, do you have the translation of that? That means we're going to sit down at the kitchen table, and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to give you, and you're going to sign it. Right. Because because we're already scared of them. That's right. That's you right. Know? And it's not it's not necessarily for physical. We're scared of upsetting them or disappointing them or having conflict. Absolutely. At that stage, I always say the very best thing that you can do is to arm yourself with information and knowledge. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. is when you need to go have a consultation with an attorney so that when they sit down and they say, well, you're obviously not going to get the house and you're not going to get this and you're not going to get that and you haven't contributed. So obviously everything's mine. You can actually look them in the eye and go, "Mm, that's not how the law works. And, And the other thing, they always want to try and talk you out of using an attorney. Oh, yes. Oh, why? No, we don't. We don't need attorneys. No, so don't need that. you always have to go back and go, okay, but did, did you ever, were you ever able to get what you needed in the marriage? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you have to build a team. Right. Or, you know, and, and then when I, the day I ran away, I had been divorced for two years mm-hmm. and, and nothing changed because I didn't know then what I know now, obviously. But when we're talking right. about you, you deciding to exit the relationship, you let them know. And it's a scary day when you let them know. And they start, the man 
the man or woman from the beginning of the relationship shows up and then the victim shows up and then they try to make you jealous and then they threaten. You you have to know that that the hoovering stage is they're just taking a whole bunch of shit and they're throwing it at the wall and they're hoping something sticks. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, this is, how, this is, it's not hysterical, but yet it's hysterical. What is the oldest mantra? Actions speak louder than words, right? Right. But for 20 years, we hang on to these words and their actions and zero don't actions. support them at all. But then uh-huh. during the divorce process, what they say, they say that they wanted, they say, and so I always tell people, you have to picture Scrabble letters falling out of their mouth <laughs> during the hoovering that. stage, because that's, that's all it is. It's just a bunch of blunt letters. Yeah. Right. Because, because as impasse, we really, we really want to believe the words that come out of their mouth because that's. Not, not that we're better than them. We're just wired different than them. And we, we usually don't say stuff that we don't necessarily mean. And we, we don't know really how to manipulate. If I told you, okay, yeah. you have to go out and you have to manipulate three people today. That's your homework assignment. You'd be like, I wouldn't, I would not know where to begin. That, I mean, we wouldn't even know how to do that. It's the same thing no. with, okay, you no. need to go lie to three people. You're like, I can't, I can't do that either. I have and green just, hair. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the difference between how the personalities are built. But but the hoovering stages, if you understand it, it is a lot. It's never easy to get through. But it, Mm -hmm. if you understand what's happening, yes, okay, that didn't work. Okay, they're going to try another personality. You're going to see twenty five personalities. Then the next thing you're going to see is all of a sudden they're going to be dating someone. Oh, very quickly. Because they're, they need people in their life that make them feel secure. And so they're going to latch on to somebody very quickly. You know what? I always pictured my former as um, like those little fifties operators that are plugging yeah. and unplugging. Plugging is something plug. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah because uh-huh. as soon as, as soon as somebody unplugged themselves, he just picked up another one and, and plugged them in. That's right. That's and, right. and so with, with the whole hoovering thing, you have to know that no matter what happens, it's all because they're feeling insecure. None of it is authentic. None of it is genuine. None of it is. Yep. Right. It's, it yep. has nothing to do with the relationship. It has everything to do with, I need to feel secure because <gasps> this person is getting the best of me. Well, and it has nothing to do with you because they don't see you as you. Right. All you are is a reflection of them and a tool to, as you said, g- give them the esteem that they're lacking. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they don't see you. You're not, a, you're not an other. Right. And I think, you know, we go back to our personality. How many times in your marriage were you like, oh, but if I could just talk to him and if I could just pick the right words and the right tone of voice and the right time of day, and the, and, and we just really tell them how they hurt our feelings and what we need them to change. And for some reason, we think they're going to wake up and act like us. Uh-huh. That's right. You know, and, and they're not, and it's, it's, it's not because the toxic person is a bad person. They're they're They didn't ask to be like this. I, right. you know, they, yeah. they just have, yeah. they have a different personality with different goals. And when they are dumped in a room with, with an empathetic, caring, you know, sacrificing personality, it, it just doesn't work well. Because this is just what they do. Different. Yeah. I, of course, as an, as an empath, right. I feel I feel so sorry for them, really, because they will never get what it is that they're trying to achieve because it's not ours to give them. 
And because there is this um, psychological fracture, they'll actually never find it for themselves. So they will actually never feel fulfilled or happy. And it's, and it's, it is tragic. Oh, it is. It's, and especially if, if it's the father of your children, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to interact. My youngest daughter hasn't talked to him in six years because she's not safe. But when you look at that's the, that's the only dad they have. Yeah. And then hundred percent, you know, so, yep. so I, I mean, I feel the same way. And you know, when I go back to, they didn't ask, ask to be like this, it could have been a traumatic upbringing or a diagnosis yeah. or a addiction or, you know, and it's just, it's about accepting them for who they are, not who we want them to be. Yeah. And that was and- my dad, you know, my dad told me that, and it, that made such a huge difference because we kind of end up kind of controlling. Sure. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, of course. I mean, that's the, that is the the flip side of that coin is that we are constantly trying to get them. Don't, if they would just see, right. We become as con- emotionally controlling mm-hmm. really as they are. So if that's who they are. Is it really fair for us to ask them to change? I mean, my, my former three weeks after I married him, he said he was really disappointed because he was going to marry, always oh, going to marry blonde. Wow. So then for, do I look blonde? <laughs> I might act blonde. For the record, <laughs> Dr. Heidi is not blonde. <laughs> and, but but I I continually was feeling like I had to put highlights in, more highlights, more highlights, more uh, highlights. And the day I looked in the mirror and I was a shell of myself, mm-hmm, I didn't even recognize myself. I didn't yeah. talk. I didn't smile. I didn't laugh. I looked at the ground. I had blonde hair and black eyebrows mine, and black eyes. Yeah. Mine told me that he was a boob man and I had no boobs. Mm-hmm. So what did I do? I got boobs. I had major surgery, <laughs> major, yeah. major surgery. I, I did the same thing and I could not get out of the recliner for almost three weeks because I had mm-hmm. been adjusting people. So my, <gasps> right. And <sighs> do you think he paid attention to me for three weeks no. and he was mad that I wasn't working and, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't help me with anything yet. He was a boob guy also. And okay, we got it. Boobs. There's no caretaking involved in any illness or surgical recovery. They get more more attention from us Uh by being negative. I think too, you know, when we're talking about the hoovering, one of the concepts that people, people miss is we think there's good days and bad days, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. there's really, there's really not the good days really aren't that good. They're just better than the bad days. And the thing we call that breadcrumbs. Yep. 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 But the thing you have to remember is their goal every day, every minute, every hour of every day is to feel secure. So when they're being nice, their intention is to feel secure. When they're being mean, their intention is to feel secure. They don't care if it's positive or negative attention, as long as they're getting attention and they feel power Mm -hmm. and control. So they can do that by going, Hey, I want to take you on a date and you get excited and happy. And that's, they're saying and doing things to get an emotional reaction. Right. And I want to go back to what you said about, you know, not being able to change them and sort of giving up the idea that they can change them. And I just want to say it would be just as impossible for them to try to change you out of being an empath. You, 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 you can't. Out of being an empath, probably not, because we always feel guilty. We always feel sorry for them. But we do shut down, right? We do lose our compassion for them. It's true. Like you actually become, you know, I was cold and, and, you know, I had no compassion when I was like, I'm the most compassionate person in the world. I just, I'm just empty. I don't have any more. I don't have any more to give you. 
Yeah. And I think too, we, you know, we have good personalities. Everybody's got their own personality, but, but we, we kind of get um, shamed a little bit because, mm-hmm. because we end up having to give up boundaries because they always get walked on because that's mm-hmm. a control thing, right? If I set a boundary, I'm taking control. So they have to walk over them. Um, you know, we get the, we get the connotation of a people pleaser, or I hate this word. I can't believe I'm going to say it or the doormat. Uh-huh. Well, we only, we only end up that way because we're trying to avoid, we're trying to avoid conflict. We're trying right. to keep the peace. And so, you know, we, we go through all of that changing ourselves. And then people look at us like, why won't you stand up for yourself? Right. That's like, why, you know? why, why doesn't she just leave? It's it, yeah. It, oh, because- isn't that a great idea? I haven't thought about that, but every day for 15 years. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the answer is I don't want to leave. I don't want to give up my marriage. I don't want to lose my family. I just want him to be the person that I fell in love with that I thought he was. Yep. And right? it's such a hard, it is such a hard concept to wrap your head around that the person in the beginning wasn't them. That's right. It's so hard. You know, we have, it is so we just We hard. hang on and hang on. And I just, and I want to, I want to highlight that and emphasize that to everyone listening, that the person you fell in love with was not them. The person you Mm -hmm. fell in love with was a tactic that they used to lure you in. And as you said, to make themselves feel better because they have, they have projected all of their needs onto you and decided before getting to know you at all, that you are the manifestation of everything that's going to make them mm-hmm. feel good. Right. And so and then they mold us and then, and then they mold us. But then when they realize that we're actually a human being and we're not all these things that they projected onto us um, and we're actually our own individual human being, that's when they start to get mad at us. And that's when they start to abuse mm-hmm. us because we're not, you know, they think that we've bait and switched or whatever they think. Right. When the fact right. of the matter is they never got to know you. They didn't care about you. It was only right. about what they projected onto you, how you would then reflect it back to them, yep. onto them. And that's, you know, that's another thing with emotional abuse. You know, emotional abuse is difficult to understand, but that's that's one of the reasons that we don't leave when people tell us to leave. We yeah. we start We start really paying attention to them for how we feel. They're in a good mood. We're in a good mood. They're that's in a bad right. mood. We have a bad day. We, mm-hmm. we are all super excited about something and they say something negative and it completely changes how we feel. So when you're trying to make a decision to leave and, and, and they say something like, I can't believe you're breaking up the family, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's an emotionally abusive tactic. He said it on purpose. So I'd feel guilty. Right. Okay. I didn't take two minutes to even look at it and go, it was, I, I became so emotionally dependent on him that I was, I was trying to feel how I thought he needed me to feel in every situation, yep. you know, and it's easy for yep. them. They could, they say something to make you happy. They can say something to make you sad. They can frustrated, guilty, angry, upset, all and, of that. And, and they just, they, and they've, they've learned it through the years and guilt was guilt was one. They've broken you down so much that you don't, you don't really have, you don't have your inner compass anymore. You You're not your own you know, barometer for happiness. It's, it it becomes all about them. And I think too, you know, it goes to the trying to avoid conflict. We accept things we wouldn't Mm -hmm. normally accept. We put up with things. Our values go out the window. Our religious views change. Our political views change because we think it's going to make the relationship feel better for us if we adapt to them. 
And so we're on this treadmill for the whole time going, I'm going to be good enough. I'm going to be good enough. I'm going to be good enough. And they go, oh, you just missed it. Oh, it's right. Oh, it, mm, right. Because it's a moving you know, target. Yes. You miss it yeah. because it. you will never hit it. You'll never hit yeah, it and because it moves. And where is our attention when we're on the treadmill? Yeah. It's on them because on them. we're just wanting approval. And, mm-hmm. and then when you look, where do we go when we're running on a treadmill? <laughs> Absolutely nowhere. nowhere right? right. And that's right. that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. I have I did a podcast and I, I called it the treadmill of unrealistic expectations. Yes. Yes. Their expectations are so we can we could never accomplish the things that they lay out for us that we need to accomplish in order for the relationship to feel better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. No, but it occupies our time. It occupies our energy and all of our attentions on them. That's right. I mean, even like, you know, I, like I got, I got boobs. Right. But then it was like, well, you know, the, the, um, aftermath of the surgery and all of the pain I was in and all of that made it like he was scared of them. So then he never even went near them. (laughs) Right. So like, except that that wasn't good. He got attention. Right. Mm-hmm. And and he got attention by ignoring the fact that you had done all of that. That's right. But why I did all this. Why aren't you, <laughs> why, don't you, don't you want to, <laughs> you know, hang out with them yeah, a little no, bit? No, just get, yeah. you just get on the treadmill and you just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's in the same right. place. Mm-hmm. You know. mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. So is there anything, anything else? I mean, I, I love how you've broken down hoovering because you've hit all of these very relatable, very recognizable stages and steps again in no particular order. I think there's, I mean, they're so relatable. Is there anything else in this uh, hoovering thing that we haven't touched on? The the only thing that I haven't touched on is our yeah. perspective of it. Uh-huh. You, you, you have to, as, as much as you care about, because, because we do care about these people. They're, they're the people that are close to us. They're the yeah, fathers of our kids. Them. They're the mothers of our kids. They're our families. They're yes. Yeah. So, so you have to remember that this, this has nothing to do with the relationship or the importance of the relationship to them. It has everything to do with the fact that they're feeling insecure because of the loss of control. So when you see these different personalities come in and out, you have to remind yourself it's, it's just another thing because they're trying to get me to step back in. Right. And, and they'll, I mean, the, another, another thing that, you know, this is where stocking comes in, uh-huh. Stock, you know, um, this yeah, is say where more about that. this, well, if they can't, con- now fear is one of the tactics they use, right? So if they can scare you, they still feel control. And we just talked about jaws. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a control power thing. And our attention is on them when we're scared. So if we're not going to be in the relationship the way we used to be, they're still going to use us for the things that they they need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're going to stalk us to scare us because our fear keeps our Gives attention them. and focus on them. Yes, and they and they feel they feel they feel like powerful. they have the power over us. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. you know, to the whole hoovering thing. Once once the divorce process is final, if you've got kids, then the only string left is the kids. Right. And yes. this is this is another thing. I think we talked about it on the, the podcast when you were on mine. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't parent together when we were married. Don't think all of a sudden you're going to have this 
co-parenting relationship, like oh. they they will be consistent in needing that control, power, and attention. And they're gonna yes. they are going to just carry it on every string that's attached. You know, the other thing I I have to say this and I feel bad saying it because pets are very important to people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But right. but they'll yes. they'll they'll they use, use the pets. pets. Mm-hmm. And and they'll throw something out like, well, we could just do custody. Yeah. We can just do custody of the pets. Okay. Their goal there is to stay in contact. They need contact. So so you dropping a dog off and picking a dog up. Yeah. I have had clients without children that I've had to say, you have to give, you've got to give your pet up. He's, this is a mm-hmm. way for you to stay connect for him to stay connected with you. And it's the worst yeah. thing in the world. And I get it. I'm an animal lover. I'm an animal owner. Like it would kill me. But staying connected and continuing to give him yep. that power and control will kill me more. Yep. There's, and I keep, my podcast episodes keep popping in my head, but I did a podcast <laughs> called you're All They Need Is Contact. Yes. You know, all they all they need is contact. We 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 talk no contact when you're leaving a, a toxic person. Yeah. But I, people really think it's, it's to help you get over them. No, mm. no, it's not. It's because no, no. all they need is contact to say or do something something that gets an emotional reaction so they can still control your emotions, dropping the kids off, picking the kids up, staring at you from across the bleachers. You know, when you, when you, when you separate from somebody like this, the goal is to get them out of your life. The goal is not to separate from them and then take the kids out for ice cream after church together. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Absolutely. And like, and I think that it's really important to note that, you know, listen, if down the line, once you've severed these ties and they have a new supply and like whatever else, if that's the relationship you can create down the line, that's wonderful. It's a mm-hmm. wonderful thing to aspire to. But you cannot go from this to- level of toxicity to happily ever after hunky-dory mm-hmm. in the blink of an eye. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And and you do need to learn how... And and I work with people on this all the time. You you have to learn how to interact with them if you have kids mm-hmm. where you are not supplying them, which means you have to pull out anything emotional. That's right. This is a, now a business transaction. Yes. When you send an email, you don't go, oh, hi, Roger. Um, I really appreciate. And you don't throw all this emotion into the email. Mm-hmm. You go, you don't, you don't put their name on it. And you say five o'clock Saturday and you send it. Mm. You don't do this big long because we have this, we have this thing that if we take the high road, we're going to get what we want. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go back to your relationship. When in right. your relationship, did you taking the high road ever get you what you wanted? Yeah. They're still the same person. And what's, what's the worst that can happen? They're going to be mad. Who cares? They're always mad. I'm going to get 17 texts. You're going to get 17 texts anyway. Right. Exactly. Yep. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. You're st- even though you're divorcing, if you're doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to get the same results. Yes. Period. Which to the listeners, I said it earlier, which is why I ran away two years after my divorce was final. I was so excited to have the divorce papers. Literally nothing changed. We we owned a practice together. So conveniently, he had all the money going through the practice. So it's not like I wanted for anything, but I didn't have access to uh-huh. you know that kind of thing. Yes, he would allow money to build a house, but it had to be on the same property. Okay, well, that was his excuse <laughs> to know where I was and know if people were at my house uh-huh. and know what I was doing with my time and know. That's right. You know, they want to stay in your life enough so that That's there right. is a level of control and and that emotional, you know, connection. 
Dr. Heidi, thank you so much. Uh, this has been such a great conversation and I think so important and informative for everybody. And I love, I just love your spin and your take on things. It's, it's, I like the way that you sort of like organize and categorize things. Tell, where can people find you? Oh, well, I have my own podcast because for some reason today I was just puking out podcast episodes. It's called It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. My website is coaching with Dr. Heidi. And the reason it's coaching with Dr. Heidi is I have to, I have to work with a lot of people in secret. Um, uh-huh. I do help people escape. I help people write escape plans. I have to know mm-hmm. your situation very, very well for that. But sure. coaching with Dr. Heidi is my website. And I did just start a community, an online community. So that if, right. if private coaching can get expensive and sometimes people's situation, it's, it's hard for them to be able to be on the phone or to be on the computer. Um, so the community is, is, a lot of different ways that you can access me um, and still still get the support you need. That information is on the website also. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. I just adore talking to you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me back. Anytime. Anytime. Thank you so much, Heidi. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at The Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.